0: And welcome to this week's edition of Second City Sports Zoom style. Zoom style. Uh, We got to walk on that. Yeah. (laughs) Along with creator and and founder uh, and co-host of uh, Second City Sports, Ms. McKinney and Jason Pfeiffer. I am Sid the Kid. You can follow me on Twitter at SidKid80 and also at Instagram at SidKid80. That's S-I-D. K I D A zero. that's I D A zero.
1: You follow me at Keita McGee on Twitter and at Kina underscore McGee on the Instagram.
2: And you can follow me at Truth and Reason underscore on the Twitter, and you can follow the show's Twitter handle at 2NDCSCHI.
0: And we'd like to welcome our special guest co-host for this segment. She's a guest analyst on NBC Sports Chicago's Bulls Outsiders. A TV show with our good friend of the show, Mr. Matt Peck, and she's also a veteran basketball writer and blogger. Please welcome Ms. Alana Techauer. Alana, how's it going? Yay.
3: Great. Thank you so much for having me on. That was quite an introduction, too. I appreciate it.
0: <laughs> uh, no problem. Where can people find you on social media?
3: Um, I am just at Alana Tahour on Twitter and Instagram, so easy enough. Just first, last name put together. Nice.
0: All right. Let's start off with breaking news as of this podcast. Uh, two of the top five uh, power conferences in college football sources say that uh, they may uh, cancel the season. That's uh, according to sources. That's the Big Ten and the Big 12. We'll see what the other three power uh, five conferences do go on ahead. Uh, players like Trevor Lawrence of Clemson and Justin Fields, both quarterbacks of Ohio State and Clemson respectively, have all tweeted out that hashtag we want to play as we discussed with kenny and jason last week uh we do have a president mark inbred of the ncaa but we don't you, you when you don't have uniformity and we don't have organization when you have all the time to make plans and adjust plans when you have nothing left uh, and when it comes down to the 11th hour this is what happens i'll start with you lakina uh it seems like uh, no college football for the fall entirely
1: uh no that's what it looks like sid and I'm not surprised, unfortunately, especially since there has been a lot of disorgan, disorganization mm-hmm. through all this and I, mm-hmm. I rarely agree with Stephen A, but I do agree with him in the sense that I'm glad that the NCAA is finally getting their comeuppance mm-hmm. because all of this could have been organized mm-hmm. from like the word jump from April when all this started and then they had to, they had to shut down spring sports and the rest of the winter sports season. And now look where you are. I mean, look, I commend players like Tr- the Trevor Lawrences, the Justin Fields, Kylan Hills, you know, among many, many others of the world. You know, they want to play and they're using their platform and that's fine, but when, I forgot the, the name of the old lineman from Indiana who he's recovering from COVID, but now he's having heart issues. And also mm-hmm. I, 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 you know, I, I applaud you know, the, the presidents for stepping up and saying, look, we don't it's not feasible we can't do this and you know it's unfortunate that it was like the season's going to be lost and you know I guess I guess what the ACC the big 12 and and um ACC are trying to go on ahead this sort of like one of those them versus the big 10 the Pac 12 they want to cancel their season you know the fall season for all their fall sports but it seems like this is this is what happens when you don't have you know formality, you don't have communication I mean it's it's basically chaos now
2: yeah, you guys are echoing uh, pretty much the same sentiments that I've had that I've been talking about for the past couple of weeks as well. We know um, Mark Emmer is a absentee person in leadership when it comes to the NCAA, and we know there's no real um, no real central leadership when it comes to the NCAA. They're ba- we've been talking about they're basically leaving these conferences up to fend for themselves, and I kind of predicted something like this might happen because you're having a few um, profile players opt out from some of these schools and this is what I keep coming back to Lakina and Sid and Elena there there are way too many questions more so than answers when it comes to how um, how the NCAA and professional sports are dealing with this, with, with COVID-19 and we're talking about kids here. And uh, again, when we're talking about kids and we're talking about a lack of leadership and a lack of answers, sometimes these things happen and we're seeing it come to fruition right before our very eyes.
0: Alana?
3: Yeah, so I mean, I actually, um, I help out a D3 um, basketball team here in Chicago, the Chicago Maroons, and it's been an ongoing conversation about you know what they're gonna do for fall sports and winter sports. and. Um, I do hate to say it, but I think, you know, to everyone's point, there has been no, everyone's kind of waiting to see what happens. Right. And yeah, there's ever changing stuff happening. And we understand that from week to week, things are getting better and worse and, you know, jumping around. But if there's no, you know, if there's no one putting their foot down and saying like, regardless of what's going to happen, this is going to be a no, or we're going to do it, but we're going to do it this way this is what ends up happening. I'm really not surprised um, because when you don't plan, you end up just not having any options. And then, you know, the default option is not playing. Um, And I do think that keeping in mind that at the end of the day, these are kids um, and you have to protect them first. And you also have to think about from the mentality, they're going to want to play regardless. um, Even if it's a really serious situation, You know, we've all been there. We've all been that age at one point where you kind of think you're invincible and, you know, it's not going to happen to you, Um, but it can. And, you know, it has been happening to these younger people. Um, And so I think it's unfortunate. I think people are disappointed, and I get it. But I think that, you know, if you haven't started planning in April, this is just what was going to happen, and I'm not surprised.
0: I have the tweet here from Trevor Lawrence that he tweeted out all the weekend. People are just as much as not more at risk if we don't play Players will be, be also home to their own communities where social distancing is highly unlikely and medical care and expenses will be placed on the families if they were to contra- contract COVID-19. Not to mention the players coming from situations that are not good for the, their future and having to go back to that. Football is a safe haven for so many people. We are more likely to get the virus every day in everyday life than playing football. Having a season also is and uh, incentivizes players of uh, uh, being safe uh, and taking all the right precautions to try to avoid contracted code COVID because the season slash teammates safety is on the line. Without the season, as we've already seen, people will not social distance or wear masks and take proper precautions. And the last tweet he, he sent out was, let's work together to create a situation where we can play the game that all of us love. Not divide and argue there's a way for So we see players, as I mentioned at the top of the show, speaking out already. We uh, head coach, uh, Jim Harbaugh, head coach of the University of Michigan, has also come out and said we want to play. Of course, we all know that this comes down to money at the end of the the day. If they have a plan to move it to spring football, from what I read on Twitter this morning, that the NFL can move uh, uh, according to their collective bargaining agreement, they can move the draft no later than June second. Call me crazy. Yes, sir, things that have happened in professional sports, but I just cannot see the NFL moving it the draft date. I, I, I just don't see it. what do you guys think should uh, spring football occur.
2: I don't personally see it. I mean we we've all seen how how stubborn the NFL has been for the most part dealing with this anyway. Um so I don't see them moving the draft date um, pushing it back at all. That's just me.
1: I, I don't either. I mean, unless maybe they can somehow, the NFL and the can somehow work together maybe perhaps and say, okay, look, if okay, if you guys want to do spring football, okay, we'll move the draft back to maybe like late May or early June and you'll see what happens there. I don't see it happening. I see that you may see a lot of guys like the Trevor Lawrences and you know guys like that opt out from playing the spring football. That's probably more likely to happen than all this other stuff, but that's just me.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think it's not really a secret. The NFL is one of the most stubborn leagues, I think, in professional sports, and they don't really like collaborating with others. And they also don't like kind of, you know, being um, flexible. I think in what they're very traditional and what they've always done, um, and they they tend to move forward that way. So I would be shocked. Um, but you know, to everyone's point, it does come down to money. So if somehow they can work something out where they'd end up making more um, if they moved it, or if, you know long-term it helped them. Um, It's it's a selfish league at the end of the day. So um, I would be surprised, but I guess stranger things have happened in 2020. So.
0: (laughs) We will be, yeah, we will be following this story because uh, we all know this is not the last of it. So this is only just the beginning. Now let's move on to some bigger and better things and that's NBA basketball. We are entering the final week of the regular season in the NBA restart in Orlando. Uh, there were great games that went on this weekend, including Denver and Utah on Saturday, which was probably been the best entertaining game overall with the three-overtime uh, thriller. You had Blazers and Philadelphia from last night, and then you had Indiana and the Lakers. Just so many individual performances and great games. Uh, Alana, I'll start with you. What, what impressed you most about the NBA from this past weekend?
3: Um, I have just been enjoying watching hoops again. Um, it had, you know, I mean, it was crushing when the league (laughs) cut down. Obviously, I understand why. Um, and I get, you know, why it took kind of so long to get back. I think first and foremost, we should applaud the NBA for the way that they did things. Obviously, things are working out very well in the bubble. Not to say that, you know, this is it and there won't be any, you know, kind of obstacles down the line. Um, but I think that they've done a great job. And it's also just been really entertaining. Like, I was kind of afraid of what things would look like in kind of the virtual setting um and with the fans but for me i'm enjoying it like i'm enjoying watching it just as much um as i would a regular season um so i just kind of wanted to put that out there i think this weekend though like different teams that are sh- like kind of surprising me have really stepped up um i and i i'm kind of following now teams that i never really paid attention to before um, i always liked the blazers i guess like on paper but i never really got into their style of basketball but now with Nurk back and even, you know, skinny, mellow kind of performing the way he's been performing. Um, I'm a Blazers fan all of a sudden. Um, and so I just have been really enjoying kind of just watching all these teams. Mostly the West, I think, has really surprised me. Um, I'm kind of an Eastern Hunts girl just because I'm in Chicago. I'm a Miami Heat fan. Uh, but I think Western teams have really stepped it up. And I think some of that is because of um, the standings not being as set, I think, over there. Um, but I really enjoyed the Blazers-Sixers um, game that I caught. It kind of pained me to root against Jay Rich just because I was like, his, you know, ride or die when he was in Miami. Um, but Dave put on quite a show again. Um, and it's just, it's been super entertaining and I can't wait for
1: the playoffs. Phoenix has been the team that really, yeah. has really impressed oh, me. Yeah. So uh, the fact that Devin Booker is showing you that, listen, this is a guy who's a star in the making. We'll see what happens there. Uh, the fact that Dave was able to bounce back against basically being teased by Pat Beverly and the Clippers, <laughs> You know, he be pulled off. You know, a great performance yesterday to get them into. You know, look like they're once they're close in the playoffs. So yeah, I mean, look, they things look really good, and it, it's a it's a bummer though that we won't see Zion anymore. But I guess now that he can kind of get get into real good, sh- you know, get to, like to basketball shape. Now the basketball's actually been pretty interesting.
2: Yeah, it, it really has. I mean, I know it's uh it's had you know some people uh, have told me, and I've heard from other people as well that it has a bit of a summer league feel to it. Mm-hmm. Um but I mean that's that's obviously because you know there's there's no you know they're in a bubble and they're in you know they're playing on a few courts here um but listen, I think that you know I, I I wasn't sure how I was going to react to it, but I kind of like the virtual fans just a little bit. um I definitely love the fact that basketball is back we're getting high quality basketball is that um Elena, I know you mentioned the blazers They're they're a team that's impressing me as well. Um, they're trying to, you know, battling there with, with the Memphis Grizzlies for that final playoff spot. Um, you know, the Lakers uh, lock up the top seed in the West earlier this week. I mean, obviously, that was something that they were going for. Um, you know, the the Nets are playing very well. I've been impressed by them since the restart. Um, you know, I'm, I'm going to talk about one of the teams that I love to talk about, but obviously um, not so much that I'm impressed by them, but the spotlight is even more so on Joel Embiid and the 76ers. Uh, now that there will be no more Ben Simmons, you know, uh, for the rest of the season, had, a lo- had to have a loose body removed from his left knee. Um, so, so, so now it's your team, Joel. So let's see what how how you do with it there. Um, again, the Celtics have been playing good ball. So have the Raptors. So um, I, I, I'm just glad for basketball to be back, and we're getting ready to get into some playoffs now. So that's even better. Hello, what's
0: looking at the game, Jason Feifer on City. You're listening to Sacred City Sports Zoom style. We're joined by guest analysts for Bulls Outsiders on NBC Sports Chicago, Miss Atlanta Tech Hour, as we talk NBA Alana. Uh, one of the teams that are people that are focused on, and uh, one of the teams that are, that are favored to win the NBA title is the Los Angeles Lakers. As I mentioned, one of the top games from the weekend, they lost to the Indiana Pacers 116-111. Uh, they did beat the Clippers in the beginning of the restart, but they haven't looked good. As a Lakers fan, should you be worried, or should you take it as an approach of "uh, it doesn't matter"? Just uh, wake me up next Monday when they want to play off. Sorry. Mm-hmm.
3: Um, you know, I have been a little bit surprised at the quality of their basketball. Um, I know that they added some pieces last minute. Obviously, Jr. and Dion Waiters um, are still like kind of finding their rhythm there. I think Kuz is starting to understand that his role is not. Gonna look the same as what it was, even you know, in the regular season before the restart. Um, I am a little bit concerned, just because you know, I think chemistry has to build up, and I don't think they're there yet. But on the other hand, you know, you have LeBron, you have AD. Like they switch on a completely different level once the playoff comes. LeBron's been very vocal about the fact that he doesn't necessarily give it 100% until he even gets there. Um, and so I'm not concerned necessarily that they'll be able to do it. But I've been a little bit surprised. Um so I'm curious to see what happens. I think I was expecting better basketball from them, um, but I don't think it's time to hit the panic button just yet. Jason? Yeah, I don't
2: either. Um, you know, we know what LeBron does when it comes to, you know, the sort of um the twilights of these NBA seasons, especially in his seventeenth year now in the league. Um he's th- taking things a little easy. Um so I'm 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 not surprised that the Lakers aren't necessarily playing their best basketball. Um, you know, a- Anthony Davis is gonna they're gonna go the way Anthony Davis goes anyway. I don't care how good or bad LeBron is playing. If Anthony Davis isn't playing well, the Lakers aren't winning a, a, a darn thing. Let's just put that out there right now. Um obviously the Clippers have been you know, you know, restricting their players somewhat. So uh, you know, they they're they're not really concerned about or weren't concerned about getting that top seed, I should say. Um it'll probably be Lakers and Clippers one and two. Um so I'm I'm really not surprised. Again, I, I think you know they're just trying to feel their way out. Like you said, Elena, uh, Deion Waiters, J.R. Smith, trying to find their rhythm and their their way with the team. There, um, Kyle Kuzma is definitely better suited coming off the bench. I still think the loss of Rajon Rondo is gonna be big in a way, um, even though LeBron has been running, you know, you know the point obviously for the first team. But um, you know, Rajon to come in and could and lead the second team. So I still think that's an issue. But um, overall, I'm I'm not really, you know, like you said, Elena, hitting the panic button or or my meter isn't up to ten on on as concerned for the Lakers.
1: Yeah, I'm not either. I mean, look, look like you guys said, like LeBron, this is his seventeenth year. I think he, especially with this big break that they had, he's been able to kind of like stay in shape and such. I I'm I'm with you, Jason. I think A, they, I think they go as far as AD takes them if he is not 100 percent. that's why I think they may rest him for the rest of the regular season sort of that they got the number one seed so which is it they really have nothing to play for at this point so I, I think look the Lakers will be fine we'll see if the Rondo injury will play a bigger role it hasn't yet but we'll see once the playoff start but I'm not worried about the Lakers just yet I think if you're a Lakers fan I think look that's the playoffs is what you played for when you got this team together. I know there were some other pieces that they had to add, they had to add last minute to your, to your point, Elena, but I'm not worried about them. I think they'll they'll be, I think they'll be okay.
0: Yeah, let's move on to the other team in town, in LA, I should say, and that's the Los Angeles Clippers. Uh, they lost to the Brooklyn Nets on Sunday night, but they defeated the Portland Trail Blazers on Saturday, 122-117. George and Patrick Beverly, Maki and Damian Lewis missed free Throw toward the end of the game. Dame same dollar, as the kids will call him, had a few choice words in a clean fashion for both those gentlemen following the game. Uh, Alana, I'll start with you. The Los Angeles Clippers, should the Lakers not make it out of the Western Conference, how much, what percentage would you give the Clippers to win this year's NBA title?
3: Um, it pains me to say, but pretty high. Um, I definitely think that they are in a good spot to do that. Um, I think not just in terms of obviously the star talent, but also just their mentality right now. I think they're really hungry for it. Um, and they're not, none of them really seem like they're taking a backseat to the Lakers. I think they fully believe that they can make their way out of this. Um, I am not the biggest fan. I think, some of their personalities just rub me the wrong way. Um, And so it does kind of kill me a little bit inside. Um, But I mean, they've proven themselves, obviously Kawhi um, and, you know, Paul George. I didn't like the whole kind of trash talking to Dame. I think like, especially, you know, a guy that works as hard as he does and kind of keeps his head down and just, you know, he hustles and he he proves himself. He's not a diva or anything. Um, So I was kind of surprised that battle was going on. Um, But no, I do think they stand a pretty good chance and I think they're hungry for it.
2: Yeah, I agree with Elena completely. Um, if, if not the Lakers, it's definitely the Clippers for me. And it's because of one reason. It's it's Kawhi Leonard. Well, well, two reasons, actually. It's Kawhi Leonard and the depth of the Los Angeles Clippers. I don't think anybody is, is. I think they have the best second unit in the league. Um, you know, I know some people may argue that, but I firm well believe that. Um, they are incredibly deep. Um, and I, I, I've been sort of mentioning this for months and months and months on end now, but Kawhi Leonard is ready to become the best player on the planet. I think, in my opinion, um, he, you know, he, he proved that last year, at least to me, uh, carrying the Toronto Raptors, being the focal point of that team, um, bringing them to a tam- championship. I think he's primed and ready to do that with these Los Angeles Clippers. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm not surprised of the chirping between uh, Dan Dollar and, and Paul George and Patrick Beverly, uh, Patrick Beverly, you know, he's, He's a Chicago guy. He hustles. He's a dog out there on the court, but he rubs people the wrong way. And, and that's, that's kind of been his MOs coming into the league. Uh, he's got a bit of a thing with Russell Westbrook, as, as has been well documented. Um, he's got this thing with Dame Dollar and, 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 and Paul George as well. But, but listen, it, I, I kind of agree with Dame when it comes to this. I think it's a sign of respect. <laughs> you know, he, Damian Lillard has a tendency to send teams home from the playoffs, and he's done that to Paul George and to Patrick Beverly, I believe, in his career. So, um, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of with Dame on his side of viewing it, like, like it's a sign of respect. Um, certainly shocked that he missed the two free throws at the end of that game. There's no doubt about that. I mean, he's usually, you know, super clutch uh, when, it, when it comes to, you know, late game situations, especially going to the line and hitting two free throws. But listen, sometimes these things happen on the court. We all know this. Uh, these guys are men, and they they talk trash throughout the game anyway. Um, but back to the Clippers uh, again, I just think they're they're primed and ready for this. I think they have got the right coach for it in Doc Rivers. Um, he's been you know been managing the egos and the bodies as well as he can. But again, it it comes down to two factors for me: it's Kawhi Leonard and the depth of the Clippers that's going to get them over the hump.
1: It'll be interesting to see how he bounces back from this. I mean, they're still well within reach. For that last playoff spot, and I think this might fuel Dame's fire. I mean, it it, it worked last night, so this is sort of like the thing that's been going on. So I think if you're the Clippers, though, I think you guys should worry. They should worry about what they're doing and what they're trying. You know, not to you know, worry about what Dame's doing because you may have either. You know, so you may be, you're gonna face probably a pretty good Dallas team. So you guys need to kind of worry about what Luka Doncic and Kristoff Porzingis and that. And that squad instead of what Dave's doing, just as me.
0: <laughs> yeah. Speaking of Luka Doncic, let's talk about the game against the Milwaukee Bucks on Saturday night, 136-132 in overtime. Luka Doncic with another triple-double, 36.14 rebounds at 19 assists. Uh, I'll start with you, Jason. Uh, Luka Doncic, what's your projections on him as far as this season and as far as his career goes? Do you see him being a top-five player in the league? He's,
2: he's, he's, he's got to be right there right now, Sid. I, I, I know, you know, we tend to engage in hyperbole and live in the moment a lot of times uh, when, we, you know, when we see a, a new young phenom coming into the league in, in any type of sport. Uh, we tend to over-exaggerate it a little bit, but I don't think that's the case when we're talking about Luka Doncic. Um, you know, I, I go back to this when, when talking to you guys about uh, conversations about him and uh, Elena as well, but, you know, I was not sold on Luka Doncic, you know, two years ago. But that was a personal thing. I just had not seen enough tape on him uh, to really know. But I have been thoroughly impressed ever since he stepped foot in the NBA. Uh, This kid is the future, I believe. Uh, Again, maybe not the present, but certainly the future. He continues to impress. It's basically a 30, 20, and 10 game that he dropped on the Milwaukee Bucks uh, a couple of days ago. I mean, how how can you not be impressed, right? And, uh, again, I know Mark Cuban is sort of uh, just sitting back and smiling, hitting the jackpot. He's got, you know, the the two uh, – pretty much the two best European players, coming from Europe anyway, on his team, um, with Doncic and Chris Porzingis, And I, they, they got up to a great start this year. I know they sort of fell back to earth, especially before the shutdown happened. Um, but I would not be surprised if they if they surprised somebody in the first round.
1: Which to which, to which I said that, look, maybe, you know, Pat Bev and them need to work on – Seeing who's going to stop Luka Doncic and then, and then that Mavs team because I think they could pull off the upset if the the, the Clippers aren't paying attention. So Don has shown. Look, I, I too had my reservations about it at first. I think it's I thought it was going to take him a few years to kind of get his game at this level, but he started playing you know professionally when he was really young. So he kind of grew as his body grew. So he's definitely right there in the top five you know players overall in the league. He he's just that good. See, I think I came into
3: it with an opposite perception because Goran Dragic was really close to him and kind of hyping him up. And just because I'm a Goran fan, I was like, whatever he says goes. Like, if he thinks this kid is going to be the (laughs) next greatest thing, sure, why not? Um, So I was kind of like riding that train, I think probably a little prematurely, but I'm glad to see that he's, you know, definitely um, lived up to the hype. And I think even... You know, obviously his raw talent, but I just think his basketball IQ um, needs to be mentioned too, just because he is so smart with the basketball. Um, And he's even stepped into like a little bit of a leadership position, even though he's still pretty new to the league. Um, So I've definitely been impressed. And I think, you know, to everyone's point, he is definitely the future. If not, you know, I think he's creeping into the present of the future for sure.
0: Let's let's stay with AB but go to the Eastern Conference now. As I've been saying for the last few weeks, basically all season, it's not a lot that the Milwaukee Bucks are representing the Eastern Conference in the NBA Finals. Yes, they had a great year. Yes, Giannis Antetokounmpo should probably win his second MVP in a row, me LeBron James. but we'll get to that debate later. But uh, I don't like their head coach, even though he's a great Popovich disciple. That's Mike Boone But I've already I, I, announced my couple of surprise teams that could challenge the Milwaukee Bucks in the East. Jim Milwaukee not make it out of the East a lot of, I'll start with you. Uh, which team or teams could give Milwaukee trouble?
3: Um, I'm just going to say the Miami Heat because I need to say it, right? Like, I <laughs> oh, can't. my gosh. It wouldn't be me if I didn't say it. Um, mainly, obviously, because I'm biased. I also think, except for this last catastrophe, the Heat actually play the Bucs very well. Um, I have been in several games in Milwaukee when they face the Heat, um, and I think it's a pretty good matchup. I also think the Heat just are very hungry against the Bucs for some reason um i will say even my bias aside that like the heat have not actually performed as well as i thought that they would in this restart um i am a little bit concerned i know there's been injuries butler wasn't playing Goron was out um i know you know honestly and this is not something i think really the people have been talking about but to the players who tested positive for COVID and came back I am seeing a little bit of fatigue in both Bam and Kendrick Nunn. Um, I don't know if it's related. This is obviously speculation, but it's something to think about that maybe they're just not, you know, they're a step behind, it seems. I think Bam's picking up a little bit quicker now. Um, So I think, you know, going into the restart, I would have been a little bit more confident in my heat answer there, um, even though I am just blowing a little bit of steam, you know, up them just because it's me. But hopefully they'll get back to it because the restart has not been looking as good as I hoped, um, but we generally
1: do play well again it'll be interesting though said, no go ahead Sid. I'm sorry <laughs>
0: yeah I, I said I had Boston and then they had Toronto second Those I think the other uh, two teams that can give the Milwaukee Bucks trouble as well yes Campbell Walker's back now for the Celtics and I, I like their depth of course Toronto I don't know no one's talking about them they're the defending champs no they don't have Kawhi Leonard but they have the special sauce uh, you saw in last year the Eastern Conference Finals and defending Young's at the football assuming that Toronto, even they made it to the NBA Finals, uh, whoever is going to beat Toronto, they're going to have to earn it because their team plays hard and they play smart and they play together.
2: Yeah, agreed. I mean, I, I, I am certainly, you know, we talked about this obviously throughout the season and before the shutdown, certainly surprised at the way the Toronto Raptors have been playing. Um, you know, Nick Nurse, I, I think he got uh, the coach, coach, co-coaches of the year, I think he got this year. can't quite remember. mm mm-hmm. um, but, uh, listen, he's showing how good of a coach he is. And, and, yes, you're right, Sid. They play as a team. They're tough. They're scrappy. Uh, Pascal Siakam is certainly emerging as, as a top talent in his league as well. Um, but I've got my eye squarely on Boston. I know you just mentioned him as well, Sid. Um, Jason Tatum, along with the Luka Doncic, who we just got done talking about, they're going to be going back and forth, at least in my opinion, for possibly the best player in the NBA in the years to come as well. Um, they've got excellent depth as well. Brad Stevens is a hell of a coach. So I'm looking at Boston. I know a lot of people were were still, you know, kind of high bullish on the six, 76ers. Um, I definitely, certainly don't think that's going to happen now. Although I do think you're going to see a different Joel Embiid in a good way. Um, the, the 76ers are going to miss Ben Simmons' defense um, too much. So for me, it's it's if not Milwaukee, um, I'm looking at Boston and Toronto.
1: Yes, yeah, so I have some. I have like that part of that kind of backwards. I have Toronto, I have Milwaukee, and I have Boston. Those are like my top three. I'm kind of in prove it mode and show me mode with Milwaukee Mm because they haven't been able to kind of get over that hump. So for me, I think it's, uh, and I've been, like I said to you, Sid, on last week's pod, unless someone beats Mm -hmm. Toronto, they're the defending champions. It goes through them. That's just my opinion. The Heat, I am a little disappointed about your Heat, Alana, because. It, it's. They. They, ha, they have looked very like sluggish from the restart. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping that once the playoffs start, maybe they can you know get back to being that that Heat team that we saw earlier this season before the sh- before mm-hmm. everything closed down. You know they play. It's they like they're gonna end up playing play in the end. It looks like so. Yeah, which I'm not happy
3: about because I I don't even want to watch one matchup of that, let alone however many games that goes. Um, the only <laughs> like fun part about that is the whole Warren Butler beef. Um But oh, I Indiana is not a team that to be honest, I enjoy watching period, but let alone just kind of like going back and forth. Um, so I wish somehow we could end up with a different matchup, but it does look like that's going to
1: be it. We'll see. I mean, it's still, <laughs> well, we'll see because it's still like a lot, but still the, uh, the, 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 the are still like something to still work on in the East, yeah. even though all the, all, even all eight teams are, are set is just a seating though at the bottom, like the, after four, that's sort of like figuring yep. out there.
2: And, and real quick before we move on can we give a shout out to tj warren please yes
1: yes yeah.
2: talking about the i mean this guy's just going on grabbing buckets okay mm-hmm. so they might be a problem for somebody in that first round of the playoffs as well
1: well look, look i look, look, I said on twitter yesterday i mean a lot of us have been known that he could hoop i mean the guy i think he was ac player of the year was first team all acc at nc state so we listen. We knew that the kid could ball, so this is not news, folks. But just saying.
0: <laughs> You're listening to TV Sports Zoom style on Low One for the Ken McGee and Jason Pfeiffer on Sid the Kid." And joining us is uh, NBC Sports Chicago's guest analyst for Bulls Outsiders TV show, Miss Alana Tech Hour. Alana, let's go back to the Western Conference. And the Houston Rockets, uh, I've been saying this all season long. If you look at it through that franchise's recent history, they're like the old Indianapolis Colts with Peyton Manning before he got his first Super Bowl. They were like the Dallas Mavericks until 2011 before they won their title. Great regular seasons, but when it comes to the playoffs, uh, it's a total different story. Do you see that same script playing out for this year's Rockets team with Russell Westbrook at the helm, or will it be a different story?
3: You know, I think that if you would have asked me before the bubble, I might have just said that history is going to repeat itself. But something has happened in this bubble where like nothing that people have expected has gone as planned. I don't know if it's just me, but I feel like for most of the headlines, like, you know, the the expectations that people had for like various teams and individual players, I feel like the bubble just like did something and everything is upside down um so i do think that certain teams in the playoffs um kind of you know to my point earlier lebron LeBron, for example kind of takes it up a notch whereas i think some teams unfortunately kind of hit that panic or chaos or just nerves and they're not able to sustain the same kind of energy um so i am interested to see kind of what happens there just because again i feel like all the expectations i had are just like out the window and i'm starting from scratch um i will admit i have not watched as much um you know as i would like to kind of make a, a good estimate that way um but in a way i kind of like the surprise so um, i'm just here and like along for the ride at this point
0: <laughs> uh let's, let's say in the western conference and there's a battle for the eighth spot and we'll say the part would be a play in terms of the new orleans pelicans designing said they are eliminated for playoff contention as most expected, except for the league, but that's a whole other issue. But you still have (laughs) Portland in there, San Antonio, Memphis, John Moran, the uh, my rookie of the year. He's been playing well, but the Memphis Grizzlies team has, as you mentioned, Jason, uh, uh, the injury injury to Jerry Jackson Jr. is really stepping back. I want to ask you, is it a a foregone conclusion that Portland grabs an eight, eight spot? Or will Memphis somehow get it together? Or perhaps maybe San Antonio, who defeated New Orleans on Sunday? Because um, Dave is a you or even Phoenix is a battle out there for the AFC spot. Who grabs it in European? opinion at the end?
3: I think the Blazers kind of have it. Um, I'm really mostly just saying this because I think Dame is so hungry for it that he's going to do whatever it takes to lead the team there. Obviously, he has plenty of help and the depth is there. But I just think that, um, you know, Dame alone is going to carry them into it. I have been impressed, obviously, by Memphis. I think Jaw um, looks great. Um, and he deserves all the props in the world Um, I just don't know if it's enough to push them push them over that hump Um, to be honest I've kind of just completely disregarded the Spurs as having that um, as having even kind of a a foot in this race anymore so I think it is between Memphis and Portland but I do think Portland's going to come out of it
1: Jason
2: yeah I'm I kind of want to, you know, stick with Memphis. I would love to see John Morant in the playoffs, but I, I think the Blazers are playing a little too well at this point. I, I know they're hungry. I know Melo's itching to get back in the playoffs, and, and Skinny Melo's been playing well, and I have to give him a lot of credit for that. So, uh, yeah, I'm kind of with Elena as well. I would love to see Memphis hold on to it. Um, but but with, obviously with Jaron Jackson being out for the Grizzlies as well, it's going to make it tough. So, um, you, you, Lakina, Sydney, I know Elena, you might not know this, but – I, I, I was salivating over John Morant last year. I was holding out hope the Bulls could possibly pull off a miracle and get him. Obviously, that didn't happen. Um, but I would love, again, love to see him in the playoffs, but I think the Blazers are going to overtake him.
1: Yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I think not having Jaron Jackson, that's going to be a problem for Memphis. And plus, Memphis plays Boston. We'll see if how Boston is, you know, still trying to it for that position. Portland has Dallas, so that, that's going to be interesting, too. They also have Brooklyn. So, I, I think – I really believe that Portland's somehow going to get in and will definitely cause LeBron some problems.
2: All
1: yeah, right. We, we have a possibility. What was that, Jason? Yeah,
2: po- no, I was just saying that's a good possibility.
0: Mm-hmm. A right, few more minutes left like here with Alana Techower, uh, Bulls on Saturday's guest analyst for NBC Sports, Chicago, right here in Sega City Sports. Alana, before – we end up with this interview with something fun. We have to get your thoughts on the Chicago Bulls (laughs) uh, new leadership uh, with AK, new general manager Mark Gavisley. Uh, That head coach, Jim Boylan still has his job. As I mentioned to your co-host and good friend of the show, Matt Pack, about a week or so Mm -hmm. ago, I get the feeling with each passing day that he's going to be the head coach for the 2020-21 season. I'm not blaming him for all the problems, but is you all well know, especially in professional sports in any business, when new people come in, they want to uh, get rid of the old guard and bring their old uh, uh, the people in. Uh, what are your thoughts about the Bulls? It seems like through their history, they take two steps forward and they take a step back.
3: Um, honestly, I have given up any hope on the Bulls. Um, I was <laughs> happy to see that they made some change um, and it was long overdue. But I think Boylan still being there is a huge problem. Um, I don't even necessarily think it just comes down to X's and O's, which, you know, I could go into as well. I don't think he necessarily utilizes his players well. Um, But I think on top of that, there's definitely, you know, some contention between him um, and Zach Levine. And I think other players are starting to get frustrated with him too. So I don't see that working out um, well on court or off court, to be honest. So if they don't get rid of Boylan, even with the changes they've made in leadership, Um, I don't necessarily see a bright future for the Bulls right away. I think the other problem that they really have not combated over the years is player development. Um, I think they get their hands on some pretty good guys and guys that could, um, you know, fill the void that they need. But the problem is they're not developing them, so they end up stagnant. Um, We've seen it on a couple occasions already where – You know, they kind of blame that, you know, a draft pick didn't work out, but then once they leave and go to another um, franchise, suddenly they start blossoming and they, you know, they're better on the floor and they're also more vocal and like they take on a leadership role. And I just think player development is such a big problem in Chicago. Um, And then to go along with that, it has not been a hot destination for free agents um, because of leadership and because of the very well known problems around the league um, with the front office. So that also kind of puts a damper in their plans moving forward of who can they really get um, to come over. I think it's gonna take quite a high selling point. Um, I don't know if marketing really wants to stick around at this point. I wouldn't be surprised if Levine tries to get out if Boylan is around. Um, so things are very up in the air with the bulls right now and I'm sure Matt is not happy because you know it's like, to your point, we, we take some steps forward but then nothing really changes and it's the same cycle over and over again. Um, and it's disappointing for the fans. It's disappointing for the team. I'm sure, um, but I have slowly given up hope. Um, I will forever support the city, um, even if I'm a Miami <laughs> fan born and raised here. But um, yeah, it's looking bleak, and I, I just wish someone would shake them out of this. Jason? Yeah,
2: I'm. I you 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 know how how much I love the Bulls, guys. I, I mean, I they're they're a laughing stock. I've said this before repeatedly uh, when it comes to the Bulls. They're they're. The the dysfunction uh, surrounding their leadership, um, like Elena just mentioned, is a key reason why free agents don't come here. Um, the guys, they do draft, they do not develop well. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of starting to sound like a broken record. <laughs> um, but it, these are – I mean, these are the facts, right? And and Jim Boylan is not an NBA head coach, in my opinion, and yet and still somehow they're showing him support. Um, uh, again, I – I don't know what else to say uh, is if the Bulls are going to get dragged out of this uh, perpetual black hole that they're in. Um, I, I do think the, you know, continuing emergence of Kobe White is a good thing. Um, I, 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 I'm i a little surprised at about how well he's played. Obviously he needs to be a little more consistent. Um, I don't think Markinen wants to be here anymore. And that's certainly a disappointment in my opinion, because I think he's a piece you can be, build around, but it. it it seems as though Boylan has um, just ciphered all of the joy that he has for the game (laughs) at this point in time. Um, Again, he, he, you know, these these are things that have just been said within the last few minutes. He doesn't use his rotations right. Uh, The the players aren't being developed right. And and again, he's more of a, a bark at you, it seems type of coach than a teach you type of coach. So um, I think that's, that's certainly not what these young bulls need at this moment in time. But but what are they going to do? Again, we see management still support this guy um, when when the results on the court are are just disastrous. So I mean, what are, what do we have to look forward to on on the west side of Chicago and the United Center? Not much, at least for the next couple of seasons, in my opinion.
1: Look at Daniel Gaffer's TikTok. That's all I'm going to say. I mean, you, <laughs> he I mean he basically kind of like led all out there. The players have been on record say that they're not a big fan of Borland, So. The fact that there's, you know, he's still head coach. I mean, I don't know if this is because the guy, the guys that they want to interview are playing in the bubble right now and they can't interview them. I can, you see that as an excuse, but the money thing. I mean, well, you're gonna you're gonna cry poor when you're worth over three billion dollars, and you know, Boylan's only excuse me, Bolin's only making what about like not even one and a half million. So now you're gonna cry, cry poor. I mean, it's absurd. It, it's dumb. And it, should Boylan does end up coming back. There's going to be a lot of empty seats next, next season. I'm just saying.
0: <laughs> All right. Last question for you, Alana. It's going to be a, I'm a great protocol here, but it's a two-parter. One, as a, a Chicago girl, how did you become a, a Miami Heat fan? I, I think I kind of know why, but explain it to our audience. <laughs> and number two, how did you get into writing about basketball?
3: Um, So, to answer the Heat question, um, I was a fan of Wade at Marquette, um, and I just kind of followed him. Um, So, once he got drafted, I was kind of hooked. Interestingly, and I always have to say this because someone digs this up, so I just need to kind of like put it out there before someone will will find it. Um, I was not for the big three when they formed. I was very vocal against it. Um, I kind of felt like they were going to take the team away from Wade, and I was very protective that way. Um, and so for the first, like, you know, maybe 80% of that first season, I was against it. Um, someone always, like, finds an old tweet and, like, brings that up. They're like, oh, you didn't support them. So I'm just putting it out there. I know I was not on board with that. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I have been a Heat fan for a long time because of Wade. Um, in terms of kind of getting to sports media, I grew up on um, kind of the golden era of the Chicago Bulls. and then. You know, once that went away, um, I kind of fell back into basketball um, once they drafted Derrick Rose. Um, I went to UIC, actually, and started writing about the Bulls for um, the neighborhood paper. Um, and then after that, I started my own NBA blog, and I just kind of fell into this awesome industry and kind of met a lot of people. Um, you know, NBA Twitter was kind of at its prime at that and in getting, getting off the ground, and I met a lot of people. Um, I had a lot of great opportunities to kind of network that way. Um, and I've just stuck with it ever since. Um, I've done, obviously, some work, like you've been saying, for NBC Sports. Um, I actually interned there, which is how I got back into the Outsiders. Um, I was an intern back in college when they were still Comcast Sportsnet. Um, and so I did some Bulls work that way. And then I started writing um, for the Heat through All You Can Heat, as well as Hoops Habit. Um, and then I also actually wrote for the Miami Heat tip-off magazine. So um, I've kind of split my time between the Heat and the Bulls, but you know, at, at the heart, I am a Miami Heat fan. Um, but it's been, it's been great and just meeting all, you know, all people from all walks of life this way. And it really is a small world, which is kind of crazy if you think about it. Um, but that's kind of like the short, the short of my story.
0: Cool. Yeah. I also going to get another quick question before we let you go off. Before the NBA restarted the game with this bubble, um, uh, what have you been doing during downtime? Have you been watching old heat games, old NBA games like I have via YouTube? <laughs>
3: Yeah, um, so that's a good question. I think The Last Dance had me kind of like preoccupied for a while. Um, I thought it was so well done and it became kind of a thing where it's like Sunday nights before that and then jumping on Twitter and talking about that, it became this entire routine in my life. Um, But aside from that, yeah, I guess once NBA TV started playing a lot of um, old games, Heat or otherwise, I kind of started watching that. Um, Like I said, I also work for the Chicago Maroons and so we've been trying to brainstorm keeping fresh content that way. Um, and so I've been trying to stay as immersed as possible in basketball without it actually happening. Um, but there's, you know, there's no comparison. I feel like even as silly as it sounds, like I'm just in a much better mood all around now that the game is back. Um, there's something about, you know, fresh new basketball. Even the exhibition games that were going on, the scrimmages, um, I was treating them like real games. I mean, I was sitting there tweeting up a storm, yelling at my TV, um, I got right back into it. So I think the last dance was a good way to kind of like segue between having nothing and then getting back into it.
1: Love well, it. I forgive you all for right. yeah all I right. like, You're forgiven. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> You're forgiven. <laughs> You're forgiven. It's fine.
0: <laughs> all right. That was Alana Tech Hour, guest analyst for ABC Sports Chicago Bulls, outsiders with our good friend Matt Peck. You can find her on Twitter and Instagram at Alana Tech Hour. She tweets uh, during NBA games, in particular the Miami Heat. And she also does a cute inspirational quote as well. <laughs> Alana, thank you so much for joining us. It's been a pleasure to have you on this Program enjoy the games and let's do this again down the road.
3: Yeah, absolutely, it was a pleasure. Um, and happy Monday, and hopefully everyone has a great week. You too.
1: Thanks, Elena. Thank you so yeah, much. You. Bye.
2: Oh, that's awesome. That's good stuff.
1: That was fun. Yeah, she yeah. knows her stuff.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. Sir. And that's what that's what we do here on Stacey City, City Sports. We bring you the people you want to hear from give us great insight and give you something for the fans to think about as, as we watch our sports as they return. Uh, once again, that's a Attack Hour of NBC Sports, Chicago's Bulls Outsiders with our good friend Matt Peck. But let's not forget those of the crew as well, Dave Watson and John St- Stavon. Yeah, as so well. don't forget about that. So they, they do a great job. I hope we'll have both those gentlemen on the program down the line. I got a great idea, guys. Let's take this 20-second timeout. we got a busy uh, a second statement coming up, uh, uh, leading off James, the whole NBC Chicago, the top They'll be prepared for a round one to get the Vegas Golden Knights. and also we have to get into baseball and a whole lot of other stuff. you know, let's get to Second City Sports Zoom
4: style.
0: Zoom, Zoom style.
1: style.
0: <laughs> All right, folks. Welcome back to our second segment of Second City Sports Zoom style. Zoom style. <laughs> <laughs> I love with Ken McGee and Jason Pfeiffer. I'm Cynthia Kim. And join us to kick off our second segment for this week's edition will be James Nouveau of ABC Chicago. You can check out his work at NBCChicago.com. He covers all things Chicago sports, but in particular Blackhawks hockey. And also he's the co-host of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast with Jason with, uh, Rossi of 670 The Score. Check that out as well. James, what can
4: people follow you on social media? Uh, I, they can follow me just at James Neveau on Twitter. That's where I do most of my uh, nonsensical ramblings. And that if you like uh, photos of my cat, I guess, and <laughs> like nature photos, I'm on, twi- I'm on Instagram also at <laughs> Nouveau Riche. So I'm, I'm more artsy over there, I guess.
1: <laughs> love it.
0: All right. We love it. Before we before we preview the series against the Las Vegas Golden Knights, let's review the series against the, the Edmonton Oilers, which the Hawks defeated the Edmonton Oilers last Friday by the score of four to, four to three. They take the series in the qualifying round in four games. Uh, James has been a tumultuous season for the Chicago Blackhawks. Of course, John McDonough was let go. We'll get into that later. Of course, people, fans, and critics had choice words for takeoffs Jeremy Colleton. NG and GM Steph Bowman on all those two names we bought up again later, but the Hawks have persevered over this uh, before we really break down the series against the Oilers. What are your overall thoughts about this series? Did you expect this to happen or did it come as a surprise?
4: Well, I think that the Blackhawks did a lot of things during the series that they were going to need to do to win. They were going to have to figure out a way to stop the Edmonton Oilers power play, which they did largely in the last three games of the series. They went 11 for 13 on the penalty kill, did a lot better job of kind of containing Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl when the Oilers had the man advantage. So I thought that was key. And then we also were going to need Corey Crawford to be able to kind of shake off the rust that he had been dealing with uh, coming off of having the coronavirus, not having much time with the team in training camp. And I thought that as that series went on, and especially in game four, I thought that Corey Crawford looked really good. And I thought that his positioning was back to where it needed to be his speed still a little bit slow but that's something that you still get after a little bit of time and I thought right. that he really acquitted himself well and then of course you needed your young kids to step up too and I thought that guys like Kirby Doc did exactly that Dominic Kubelik did exactly that yeah. doesn't hurt when your captain Jonathan Tabes leads the team in points and is also your shutdown defense like defender against guys like Connor McDavid so all of those things put together I thought that the Blackhawks had a They had a shot, a shot, I thought, to upset Edmonton and to knock them out. But it was really going to be key to slow down that power play and to just somehow make Connor McDavid slightly human, not quite like superhero like he always is. And I think they managed to do that enough to succeed.
1: Do you think Corey Crawford is very underappreciated here, James?
4: I don't know if he's necessarily underappreciated in Chicago. I'll tell you what, he is absolutely underappreciated nationally. I feel like a lot of uh, NHL experts tend to overlook him when they're coming up in conversations with, say, the top 10 goaltenders in the league. But if you look at the body of work that Crawford has put together in his career, his ability to bounce back from adversity, his ability to step up when they need him the most, you look at those playoff runs in 2013 and 2015, and what they have in common is, yeah, those teams are kind of known for having kind of a dual goaltender system, whether it was with Ray Emery or Scott Darling and then in later years Antti Ranta. But at the end of the day, who was the guy that was in net when they ended up winning those postseason series? It was Corey Crawford. I think a lot of people did think that Crawford potentially deserved the Conn Smythe trophy in 2013 when they beat the Boston Bruins in the Stanley Cup final. Mm-hmm. And when you look at those kinds of things, no, Corey Crawford does not have the individual awards. He doesn't have the Vesnas. He only has, I believe, one jet gen- Trophy. It's not like he's got this, you know, stack of hardware somewhere in his uh, palatial Canadian estates. But at (laughs) the same time, I feel like he's very underappreciated, probably more from a national perspective. And it's my hope that if hockey fans in Chicago underappreciate him now that a series like that, a performance like he had in game four is just a reminder of, Hey, this guy has been a pretty darn good goaltender for a long time and arguably might be the best goaltender in Chicago history.
2: That's a good point, James, and um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to keep it to a general question. I'm not, I'm not as deep into the Hawks as, say, our friends uh, Lakina and Sydney are, but I do want to get your thoughts about um, Jeremy Colleton because, obviously, after you know Coach Q being here for so long, you make the move to Colleton. Um, I would say maybe a shaky start at best to sort of start, start his uh, coaching career with the Blackhawks, but obviously now sort of on this little run into the playoffs, How are, you know, your impressions, your grades so far, Coach Colleton?
4: I hope that your uh, listeners can kind of pick up the eye roll that I just threw down (laughs) while you were asking that question, Jason. I saw that, yeah. and It's not about, like, great. It's obviously, like, it's a good question. Like, how has Jeremy Colleton done? The Blackhawks missed the playoffs last season. They were... In all likelihood, I think you guys would agree, probably going to miss the the playoffs again this season until the COVID pandemic Mm -hmm. hit and they were given that second opportunity and they were able to get that upset and get into the postseason. And it's just, it's really funny to me because everybody's saying now like, oh, they got into the playoffs, like uh, Colleton deserves credit for this, this and this. Look, there are certain things that Jeremy Collison does very well. I did admire the fact that he stuck with the lineup mix that he had going in this series, even when they were going through some struggles, especially in game two. I thought that it showed a lot of patience Maybe not something Joel Quindle would have done. We all know how he liked to pull the slot machine lever and kind of see where the lines would end up. But as a person who watches the Blackhawks on obviously a regular basis, you kind of start to pick up some other things about Colleton too that you start to wonder about. Sometimes he does move away from strategies that tend to work. Sometimes his bullheadedness is an issue and he's not willing to pull the trigger when a change needs to be made. And obviously he's done that in some instances, but he's also alienated some players with the way he's handled situations. I know for a fact that Brent Seabrook before these playoffs even started was talking about how he doesn't see where his role is with the Blackhawks in the future. And to me, that could potentially be a communication issue with Jeremy Colleton with one of honestly, the key veterans on this team. I think that Seabrook's a guy who could potentially be a coach down the line. He's looked to as a leader in that locker room and in that dressing room. And I, I feel like if Colleton, if he's struggling with the personal relationship portion of this, which is always something that Joel Quenville was really good at doing probably to his detriment in the end, because he wasn't able to kind of differentiate between the personal relationship and what would need to be done on the ice to make the team effective. I think if Colleton can't get better in that personal relationship aspect, Odds are, at some point, the team is going to start to tune him out, and it's going to end up starting to become an issue. And that, to me, I think is a little bit more worrisome than any X's and O's deficiencies that he has. So what I'll say about Colleton to kind of sum up all of my politicking and all the like kind of stuff that I just said is that Colleton is okay, but he needs to show more if you're going to commit to him for the long term and to keep him with this team for a long time.
0: James Neville, ABC ABCChicago.com, join us here on Second City Sports along with Lakita McGee and Chase Fife for INC. The James, let's stick with the Hawks' defensemen of, of the group of for a minute. Of course, during the regular season, they struggled along with the team defense in general to to stop teams from scoring. But uh, in the last in the qualifying round against the Edmonton Oilers, they stepped the up offensively. Slater Cuckoo who uh, I'm kind of, I'm gonna steal your expression of my eyes rolling. But he stepped out and had a goal and a couple assists offensively. Um, Connor Murphy had a couple assists. Uh, only Mata jumped in with two goals as well. Duncan, he did his thing with four assists. Do you expect that, uh, that group of defensemen uh, offensively, the offensive of production to continue that next round against Vegas?
4: I'm not sure if Vegas quite plays the same speed game that Edmonton does. So I'm wondering if maybe a little bit more of a stay-at-home attitude is going to be necessary. But at the same time, you've seen, these, and during this season and into these playoffs, when are the Blackhawks at their most effective – when they're playing in transition, when they're making the def- opponents yeah. defense move all around the defensive zone, and how do you do that? It's by activating your defensemen, it's by making sure that your forwards aren't just saying stagnant along the boards and in front of the net. You have to make sure that there's movement, right? Because movement makes Jeremy Colleton's mm-hmm. offense work, and when they start to kind of get stuck in the mud and they're not skating around, it's an issue. So I think the key is going to be to find a little bit of a balance because you don't have to get into a track meet necessarily against the Vegas Golden Knights. They are a very deep team and a very solid defensive team But I think you still will have those opportunities to activate. And I know the Blackhawks, they can't get stuck in that rut of just being like, oh, God, we have to be good. We can't let Matt's Peturetti or Mark Stone or whoever from Vegas kind of get out on them and get into space. But they also need to be able to take the fight to Vegas and to get the puck going the other way. And so I think that maybe you'll see it dialed down by a smidge or two but I think ultimately you are right I think that what we saw from guys like Connor Murphy like Slater Cuckoo like Duncan Keith I do believe that will be an important part of this series it's just going to all be about balance against a very well balanced and a very deep Vegas team
1: yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm a little worried about that depth of that Knights team, like you said, James, because per, Percelli and Stone are kind of like probably one of the most underrated duos in the league. So I, I feel I'm a little worried about these matchups, like who gets on those two. Do you think they'll be able to kind of tame at least one of them?
4: I think the key is ultimately going to be there isn't like a shutdown type of line that you're going to have to worry about deploying, right? You're not going to have to either send out David Camp or Jonathan Taves against right. a guy of the caliber of Connor McDavid because, well, I mean, let's be frank here. Mark Stone and Max Pacioretty aren't quite that caliber. They're still right. very good players, but I think like the balance is just a little bit more difficult to defend. And I think that ultimately is where it's such a key. That David Camp has come out as such a strong defensive forward. That's why it's so important that Kirby Doc has shown that he's willing to go into the corners and win puck battles and to do those little things, because that at least gives you a fighting chance. And you're not sitting there having to worry about constantly dictating matchups to try to stop this guy and that guy. It's just kind of a good all-around approach that the Blackhawks will hopefully be able to use if guys like Doc and Camp can continue to do that. And I will also say, we do have to mention that Max Pacioretty didn't play in any of the round-robin games. He just got into the bubble, too. We don't know how healthy he is. So, that is a really interesting thing to me to see how effective Vegas' leading scorer is going to be. I mean, we saw how long it took Corey Crawford to get back in the swing of things. It's going to be interesting to see how long it takes Max Pacioretty to do the same thing.
0: Jason? Yeah,
4: I'm I'm good. Go ahead. Okay.
0: now Let's talk about one of the keys to the series against Edmonton I, I, I told people coming in was net front presses. of course the Hawks have been struggling with that ever since their last cup victory in 2015 Brandon has really stepped up in these playoffs with two goals and assists how important is that going into the first round against Vegas because I think he needs to step up just a little bit more
4: um, I can, I can definitely agree with that. I think that you're going to need to see a lot of like guys, especially on the Blackhawks power play are really going to need to step up and they're really going to have to get into the kitchen of whoever it is, whether it's Robin Leonard or whether it's uh, Mark Andre flurry. I think that that's going to be a big key. I know when we were playing Edmonton, the Blackhawks are playing Edmonton. It was the best power play in the league and the second best penalty kill in the league. It's really rare to have a team be that gifted at special teams And as we transition into this series, you're seeing how rare it is because Vegas, out of all of the teams that are left, has the worst penalty kill of any team left in the playoffs. And that's astonishing that they're the number one seed in the Western Conference, but their penalty kill – isn't all that great I think that the Blackhawks the key to them is going to be to draw those penalties which is where the physical play of a guy like a Kirby Doc like a Drake Kajula is going to be really key because that's going to you're really going to get them to kind of come back at you a little bit and hopefully commit some penalties and give you those man advantage situations but then if you don't put a guy like a Doc or a Tabes in front of the net and get that traffic going there just is no way that you're going to be able to get good shots against a pair of really talented goaltenders. And I think to me, ultimately that's the big key in the series is how well the Blackhawks power play does against kind of a lackluster Vegas penalty kill.
1: Who's impressed you so far in these round Robin round Robin games. I think they've been some very exciting. I mean, that, that Maple Leaf series was really good. Now which, which, which teams have impressed you most during this first time? Of course, Blue Jackets ended up winning that series, but right. who, what team has impressed you most so far during this, these round Robin games?
4: Well, I went into the postseason kind of thinking that the East was going to be kind of a two horse race. You were probably going to be looking at a team like Boston or Tampa Bay would ultimately end up prevailing. But every time I watched the Philadelphia Flyers out east, I was really impressed. They a really deep and a really fast team. They're young. They're hungry. They have all these things going for them. And I know Philly fans on Twitter tend not to be the most popular folks, I would probably say. <laughs> but they, they definitely have a good reason for optimism right now. I think that they they look absolutely outstanding. I've been very impressed with the way that they've been able to, you know, play the game and they've been able to really like kind of – add some punch to the proceedings. And then out west, I think that the Blackhawks may have dodged at least a little bit of a challenge because I still think that Colorado is probably the team in the west that probably scares me the most. They are just loaded with young talent, your McKinnons, your Rantanons, and all these, your Landeskogs. Like you just go down the list of Colorado players and you're just like, scares me, scares me, scares me. (laughs) It just, it never ends. (laughs) And it's so wild to see that. And it's like, okay, at least if the Blackhawks can somehow manage to upset the Oilers, they won't have to face – oh, wait, they reseed the playoffs after every round. So, (laughs) yeah, yeah, even though – it's unreal to me that it's just you look at the challenges the Blackhawks could potentially face if they upset Vegas, and it's just like, oh, man, Colorado's going to be right there. So, if you had to ask me, like, the two teams that I thought that were in the bubble – that probably impressed me the most with their play in round robin specifically, I would probably say Philadelphia and I would say Colorado.
0: A couple more minutes left with James Neville, ABC Chicago.com ranking you know, second city sports as we previewed the Blackhawks first round series against the Vegas Golden Knights. James, uh, looking at the score sheet, for the Hawks, uh, uh, an underrated, I want to say underrated player, but a player who I think needs to step up, in this series for the Hawks is Alex Dubrinck. He didn't get on the score sheet as far as goal scoring is concerned. I know he added a couple of big assists in that first in that qualifying round against the Hawks. I think he needs to step up and put some pucks in the back of the net. Which Hawk player that didn't quite meet up to your expectations in a qualifying round against the Hawks that needs to step up in this first round against Vegas?
4: Well, I think you nailed it when you said that Alex DeBrinkit needs to step right. up. I feel like we're so used to him being that 40 goal caliber guy that's able to just generate offense with whatever he does he was basically a non-entity throughout that Edmonton series. And in fact, the only time we really noticed him was when he committed the major penalty in game four of the series, right? And that's obviously not something you want yeah. your five-six forward to be doing. You don't want the hit that he delivered to generate mm-hmm. a penalty to be the thing that you remember about him. So to me, I think that might be Jeremy Colleton's biggest challenge because I think that second line with him, Kirby Doc, and Patrick Kane I think that line works. And the issue is if you knock him off of it, who do you like bump up to replace him? Like that's a really big coaching decision. Jeremy Colleton might have to make, but at some point you do have to find a way to get Alex to bring it more involved. Maybe that involves putting him back with Dylan Strom. Dylan Strom was another guy that didn't really have that great of a series against Edmonton. And in fact, I thought probably say one of their worst forwards all around in that series. So those are probably the two guys that I worry about. I wonder if we're heading towards a time where those guys are reunited and maybe somebody like Drake Kajula gets bumped up to play with Doc and Kane. But I think if they don't get Alex DeBrenkic going, that's a huge liability and a huge issue for them because you need as much scoring punch as you can get against a Vegas team that can roll the pairings that they roll. Go ahead, Sid. He-
1: Oh, yeah, last,
0: a... question for you, James. Okay. last question for you, James. Last question for you, James. What what chance do you give the Hawks in this series against Vegas? Because uh, the Edmonton series wants to track me, to be honest. Uh, I want to caution Hawks fans. Vegas, even though they had the culture changed in the middle of the year, now with Peter DeBoer at the helm now, they kind of changed their style. And now a attract me, team like the Hawks, but well, they kind of have a fair and, and balanced team as well. I kind of get that feeling it's going to be a, a different series. I want to caution Hawks fans, there. what percentage of uh, do you get the Hawks of uh, making this a competitive series? Because I do believe that Vegas is going to start Robert Lanier and to see uh what, what the Hawks will counteract with offensively. Uh, what percentage uh, do you get the Hawks to be competitive in this series? Or so, so to us, another upset?
4: I'm inclined to agree with you, Sydney. I do think that they are going to start Leonard. I don't think that. I don't think it's a coincidence. He got two starts in round robin play. I think that he ultimately is going to be Mm -hmm. the guy that they're going to lean on. I'd say there's a pretty good percentage chance that they at least make this somewhat competitive. You have to remember that a lot of teams in this bubble that were playing in the round robin play that weren't in danger of being eliminated It didn't seem like seeding was a particularly big motivating factor for some of those teams. And I would argue that throughout the game on Saturday between the Avalanche and the Golden Knights, I wasn't overly impressed with the urgency or lack thereof that either team was showing. So that could be a potential issue going into a game one against the Blackhawks who have already been playing meaningful, we lose this, we're probably going to be eliminated kind of games. I think that that for the Blackhawks is a big advantage. And I also obviously think that their experience of guys like Kane and Tabes is a big advantage too. I do think the golden Knights are going to win this series. I think I'm they're I'm picking them to win in six games, but I do think that the Blackhawks are at the very least going to make this a competitive series. I'd say probably about a 50, 50 shot. This thing goes at least six games in terms of the Blackhawks winning the series not nearly as bullish. I'd say it's probably like a 10% shot. It's just the Vegas Golden Knights are such a good team. The Blackhawks have so many issues defensively, and I think they need to address a lot of those with some of the young guys they'll be having come up in the system next season. I just think for right now, I don't think they have the depth and I don't think they have the firepower to quite overcome Vegas, but... An upset would not stun me. I mean, these are the playoffs. A hot goaltender or a monumental individual performance can make the difference in a seven-game series. Anything can honestly happen, especially in this kind of weird uh, season that we've been going through.
0: All right. That was James Navon, NBCChicago.com. Check out his work there. He's also the co-host of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast with Jason Watt. James, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for taking the time out of your busy schedule. Enjoy this series, and let's do this again soon.
4: Deeply appreciate it, guys. You guys are doing great work. I can't wait to uh, be back on sometime.
1: Thanks, James. Thanks, James.
0: All right, that was James. Once again, from ABCChicago.com because all of Chicago sports, in particular, the Blackhawks, he does a great job. And follow him on Twitter, James DeVall. Uh he, he, he does great work. He t- tweets out great stats during the game. So please follow him there. The Blackhawks' second round series, uh, first round series, uh, the schedule will begin with against the Vegas Golden Knights. Golden Knight. Game one will be Tuesday night at 9.30 p.m. Chicago time. You can watch the game locally on Instagram. PC's Sports Chicago. Game two will be Thursday at 4.30 p.m. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, 4.30 yeah. p.m. And then, of course, game three will be Saturday at 7 p.m. That's on NBC Nationally. And game four will be next Sunday at 5.30, I believe. So I don't have the schedule in front of me. I'm just going off from there. There so, uh, uh, Days off between games one and two. And then game three and four will be played back to back on Saturday and Sunday. Uh, like, you know, I thought you brought up an interesting point about Corey Crawford. I, I didn't get a chance to ask James about this, but Corey Crawford, you know, we, we all forget that it, he's taking his time and getting back uh, from recovering from COVID-19, but he didn't have his greatest series against Edmonton. He did look good, especially in that third period of the, uh, the clinching game in Game 4, but I think he has to steal a game or two in this series for the Hawks to have a shot. He couldn't do that in this last round because of the pace of the series, but he's going to have to step up big. And I think uh, James did bring up an interesting point. His conditioning is taking time, but I think he's coming back. I think he's going to have a better series against Vegas. But my concern is, well, his defenseman, will the all-ball team be able step them up? Because Vegas is a balanced team. As we mentioned, it's, this is not the of to all. This is, the series is going to have a different tone to it now because you're playing a better team overall. the
1: should be interesting to see how, how everything you know sort of like matches up here because there's a lot of depth on that Knights team. So I'm, I'm yes. a little worried about this series for the Hawks. But we'll see. I mean, look, they were surprised some folks in the last – in the round robin. So we'll see what they do in this first round matchup against a very good Knights team.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, also real quick before we move on, watch out for Ryan Reeves, uh, the, the enforcer, the fourth liner from the Vegas Golden Knights. He led the team and led the league with 316 hits. Uh, let's see if he gets physical with Kane and Taves and Brandon. If that's the case, if, if the Vegas set the tone only early with their physical style, it's going to be a long series for Chicago. As James mentioned early in the interview, uh, the Hawks are at the defense when they set the tone early and not necessarily get into tracking but when they force the action, they, they get the defenseman of the other team moving around chasing them. If the Hawks do that, I think they have a better chance. But if Vegas has to go early with it down to the defensive style, uh, it's going to be a long uh, a series for Chicago.
1: It'll be an interesting one, no doubt. All right. I think we wait for it to get
2: started, though. It's definitely going to be
0: fun. Yep. Yep.
1: All right. Uh, some breaking news. Apparently, the Big Ten has not decided on whether or not they'll play football this season So the various reports. So I, I, I don't know what's going on at this point. I think someone had leaked it to see how the reaction was, and they're trying to walk it back. So, well, we haven't decided anything yet. So, like, I don't know. And then, like, Trump's now getting in the middle of it. So, uh, well, uh, dude, you, if you had taken this seriously from the beginning, yeah, I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna go there. If you had taken this thing seriously from the get go, then maybe we wouldn't be in the situation where people have to decide whether or not to play. But I'm, uh, that's not my business. I'm leaving it out. I'm staying out of it. Carry on. <laughs> <laughs> Carry on. Um. Yeah, your,
0: yeah, your season starts in terms of college football on August 29th. I think I said this for the last couple of weeks, since now these uh, Power 5 conferences have went to uh, exclusive conference-only schedules. Uh, the, we all knew that the season wouldn't start on time, but you still have less than a month now to decide whether you want to play or not. Uh, this week is going to be crucial for college football, because if one conference doesn't decide, uh, does decide not, not to play. I think the other uh, dominoes will start to fall. And Do you, do you really want to see spring football? I, I don't think it's going to be a great idea. We all know why, but I, I just, I, I, maybe it's just me, but I just don't see spring football, and I just cannot see uh, the NFL working cohorts with college football to move the NFL draft. I just don't see it. Maybe it's just me, but as of right now, I just don't see it.
1: We'll see. I mean, like I said, I mean, I, look, I, I, I've said it before. I mean, this all this could have been avoided. until so they would have been more involved. But again, that's just me. So I'm I'm holding them feet, their feet to the fire, and I'm glad they're getting their comeuppance.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> all right. All right. Let's uh, move over
0: to baseball.
1: Yes, yes, to the diamond. Um, unfortunately, the Cubs couldn't play their series against the Cardinals because. The other, players have tested positive, and now they're back in Chicago, and who knows what's going to happen there? Um, so Jason, what, what do you what do you think about all all this stuff that's transpired over the weekend with the Cubs?
2: Um, it, it's going to be difficult, even more and more difficult, to get a full season in, even though it's only sixty games. Um, I mean, we're, we're we're dealing with a really short deadline here, and they're already having players, you know. Again, this is a sprint to the finish. It's basically sixty games in sixty days, and now we're we're talking about having double headers on top of that. I think so, I think it's I think what's going on right now is already affecting the style and quality of play a little bit um but but having a bunch all of these games in at later dates is is gonna further affect the style and quality of play to me in my opinion um it it could potentially kill you know. Uh, momentum that the cubs have cuz you know let's face it i mean they they've been one of the better teams in baseball so far early in this um in this in this restart about 13 14 games in i think um so you know again it's 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 frustrating i'm sure it's frustrating for the players obviously especially with the cubs being one of the better if not the best team in major league baseball when it comes to handling um you know the the covid cases and there hasn't been an outbreak uh as of yet um so again, it's 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 really frustrating, you know. Again, as a baseball fan, as a baseball analyst, guy who comments on it, and I'm sure it is for the players.
0: Yeah, like you mentioned, Jason, this does kill the momentum of the Cubs. You had the uh, weekend off. You were playing very well. You uh, had the best record in the National League, and this happens not due to you to you, but to the opponent that you were going to play. So, like you said, it kills momentum, slows things down. I I, I wonder about uh, the Cubs going forward because of you had this unexpected break. Can you break things back up? I know their professional athletes not expected to do more thing than than uh, than your average human being, but I wonder for the momentum of both the players, uh, creating momentum again, starting this up again and if this happens to another team that're supposed to play down, but you have to go through this again. And, and like you mentioned, uh, making up all these games at the end of the season, if People really will start to show, and you haven't even started the playoffs yet. So, uh, will there be an unfair, unfair advantage to them? Uh, we shall see. Uh, it's just—it's just, just unfortunately, but baseball. Uh, um, hopefully, they expect this not to this degree. But we-, we all said this for the last few weeks. Uh, baseball uh, should consider every possible scenario, and I know this is the best they can do right now. But if that, they thought that this was both or very little trouble. They were kidding themselves.
1: Yeah, it, it's, it, it's crazy to think that MLB could not have known that this was going to happen. I, you know, hopefully this will not detour the Cubs' momentum. I mean, they were playing very well. They now actually have not had the best record because the Dodgers have lost a, a few and you know, the Yankees have lost a couple in a row. So it'll be interesting to see how when the Cubs do play again, how... They look, because I'm I'm sure they're getting I'm sure they're getting restless there over at Wrigley. Uh, what happened to your White Sox, Sid? I mean they, they lost the series to the Indians and it was a strange game last night because of the Cubs and Cardinals not playing. Then then, then the Indians and White Sox played Sunday night baseball. So we got the legend of Roger Foster happening, the sod father. So what what's wrong with your White Sox, Sid?
0: Well, one, uh, ESPN broadcast to Alex Rodriguez-Hall and Roger Bata-Bozard. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, n- number two, as I mentioned uh, on our last podcast last week, uh, this was going to be an important series for the White Sox because if you uh, take two out of three from Cleveland, I think that was a jump start at your season. Now you're back to at 8 Now, Sunday night game, you finally get the national TV love and then you someone kind of boosts the ball the ball in the ninth inning. And so we've been saying to you guys for the last few weeks, defense is going to be key for the line sights whether they make the playoffs or not. You saw it again last night it cost the Sox two runs. The Indians take the game in 10 innings by the score of five to three. Lucas Giolito looked great again, but once again that that, um, that defense cost them. Uh, you get big home runs for Jose Abreu and James McCann. Uh, and Yasmani Grandal came through with another
1: RBI double. So you think... Oh, we lost it for a second. But yeah, I mean, you know, Leo, Julio look Jaleelio look good, really good, but it's also the defense. We've said it before that the defense, unfortunately, is gonna be a hindrance for the Sox team, and it's been going on these last couple of games. So it'll be interesting to see if the White Sox can bounce back because they're now in fourth place in the central right now. So mm-hmm. we'll 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 see. Should be interesting.
0: Yeah, also, too, going back to Sunday night's game, they looked good early against Shane Bieber of the Indians before he settled in. So, yeah, the chance to steal a game right there. Those games, especially in a 60-game short the season, you cannot not give away. Now, the Sox played the Tigers um, starting on Monday. You have the Dillon Seas going on Wednesday. You have Gio, uh, not Gio but Gio Gonzalez going on Tuesday. You had Dallas Tiger, which is your best chance, going on Monday. So, uh, hopefully the sites can get back on track. You have the opportunity to at least realistically take two out of three at Detroit. Detroit's been one of the surprise teams in baseball this year. I know they played a couple last games in the Sykes. They are 8-5 and five in, in holding down second place in the central there, but if either White Sykes, the pitching matchups are in your favor, hopefully you take two out of three in Motown.
1: Should be interesting, though. I mean, that, that, that Detroit team, like, like you said, Sid, they've won three in a row, so they'll that should be, be a good mm-hmm. series. If you you got to keep up if you're the White Sox.
2: Yeah, agreed. Because, you know, again, as, as Sid said, um, you've got some surprising teams so far in the Central, uh, in the American League Central, that is. Um, you know, they, they're definitely not out of it. But, um, you know, they, they, they got to keep up with the pace, that's for sure. Hey, um, Sid, so, so what do you think? I, w- I wanted to get your personal opinion on this really quick uh, while we're on the Sox. What is your end game for Eloy for Jimenez defensively?
0: <laughs> if, if I was mentioning the ball club, I would make him my permanent DH. I think the White Sox organization may end up doing that anyway. The, the question is, when will they do that? I don't think it will be this season. Will it be next season or the season after that? I don't know. He made a great catch last night, which I tweeted out. Uh, he finally made a routine yeah. you know, uh Matt Fest Gershon and A. Ron Day of him a little bit, not on the personal side, but I should like, say, hey, you know, uh, he made a good catch in left field. Of course, um, We were, they were referring to the clown show that he had last Thursday night against Milwaukee, which Christian Young uh, basically uh, scored inside the park on along due to his clown show, for lack of a better term, in, net, <laughs> in left field going into the net. But with that being said, as uh, coming into the season, I didn't mean, expect him to be a Glover at left field, but he's got to be better. I know Luis Robert uh, covers a whole lot of ground in center field, but, but Jimenez has to be better in left field. I don't expect him to be a Glover, but he has to cover his area better. And uh, he, he, he did a fine job last night. Can he keep it up uh, on the field for the rest of the season? It's going to be an adventure. But I like what he does at the plate, but he's got to be better at the field.
1: Yeah, they'll be like I said. They'll be interesting though because um, I don't want him going into the stands again. I, I don't. I, I I don't. I don't want to. I don't exactly. want. I don't exactly. want him dive into the stands again. I mean, I'm, I'm afraid yeah. he might seriously hurt himself. <laughs> yep. I, I'm 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 afraid for him. I know he I know he loves being out in the outfield, but uh, I think I wouldn't. Mm-hmm. I I don't think putting him in the in the DH role is probably his best bet. I'm just I'm just saying. Um. Let's see what else is going on here. Uh, all right, look, a lot has happened. A lot about, uh, still a lot Let's about talk the call. Yeah. Oh yeah, the whole Oakland and and Houston brawl. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like we're gonna have to quarantine those two teams for the next two weeks. Yep. I'm just saying because you know we 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 figured that this gonna, was gonna what's was gonna happen, right? We thought what happened with Joe Kelly a couple of weeks back. But and I, and I guess one of the pitching, the pit, one like one of the first base coaches, I think, you know, started the whole thing, and now started you know the whole brouhaha. And now I'm sure there's gonna be suspensions. There's probably gonna be some positive testing. The floor is yours, guys. What do you guys think of all of this weird stuff that happened yesterday?
2: So I, I'll start, um, and this was what you would call the, you, you know, the 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 beer coming to the head, the powder coming to a head, the, the explosion waiting to happen um, with, with the Astros. We knew somebody was going to challenge them. It was probably going to be the Dodgers and or another team within that division. I am not surprised at all that this happened. Um, I'm, I, I don't want to get the guy's name wrong, but, but certainly if you've gotten hit for like the third time in the series, your emotions are going to be high anyway. <laughs> um, so I, I think even without it being the Astros in particular, I think something would have happened between these two teams anyway, mm-hmm. because again, nobody likes to get hit with the baseball, especially, I think it was like three days in a row for, for this particular guy. Um, yeah. For for the Oakland Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, frustrations are just boiling over. I mean, it, that is what it is. Uh These things happen in baseball, unfortunately. Um, but again, I don't, I'm not surprised that it was the Astros, um, because again, you know, even before this shutdown, somebody was going to challenge them on the field. Something was going to happen. We had talked about this before, uh, Sid and Likina. Um, but it just happens to be a division rival in this case. But, um, I, I don't know if you guys saw the game or heard Doug Glambil's comments, uh, a little later on in the day, but, but I also expect the iron fist quote unquote to come down on these guys as well. Um, you know during this unique situation, this unique uh, season, we definitely can't have these type of things happen.
0: Yeah, I agree with you, Jason and uh, I don't know about suspensions uh, that will happen. I think it will happen. It depends on how many games, but there will be some fines handed out because baseball is supposed to, practice, probably supposed to practice social distancing. There is no social distancing with that made play yesterday. Thank goodness it did not get a lot worse because if it did, uh, we'll be talking about something uh, a whole lot worse than does so we're not doing that. But uh, getting back to on the field, Look, like, you know, we talked about this in our last podcast. Um, if there's any team that ails is going to challenge Houston, they'll be in Oakland A's. Oakland swept them over the weekend. Now they hold the five game lead over Texas and the five, five and a half game lead over Houston. Now, am I declaring this race over? No. Houston, even though they hold a 6-9 and nine record, the season is not open for them, but they got to turn around the center of our because, as we said before in the past, Oakland's a team that struggles out early. Uh, all of a sudden, in the middle of the season, they catch fire. In this short window, 60-game season, uh, the team that catches fire early and they're able to sustain it, they'll be the ones that go on to make the playoffs.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm... I'm we'll see how the suspension sort of, you know, maps out here. I mean... I think listen, I think the A's could be right there, could be that division. This might just be a preview of what's to come. So, again, you know, as the season goes, I'm sure they're going to be facing each other a lot before the playoffs starts. So, I, this is going to be an interesting battle between the A's and the Astros and, that, and AL West because I think the A's are showing that there are no pushovers. So, we'll see if they can keep up.
2: Yeah, and they haven't been the past two seasons. Yeah, this to the win remember, this, this is a back-to-back 97-win team we're talking about with the Oakland A's. Uh, they just had the unfortunate, you know, unfortunateness of losing the wild card game. I know that's not a word, uh, but uh, they, you know, they, they just happened to lose the wild card game the past two seasons. But this is a borderline 100 win, uh, uh, 100 win team that that we've had the past few seasons. So again, I'm not surprised that they're off to this, um, to this, this great start as well. The Chapman and Olson Matt brothers, um, again, that is a very, very good combo to have in that lineup.
1: Yeah, it'll be
0: yeah like sick. yeah, like I said, Oakland set the tone. Yeah, they set the tone over the weekend with the sweep, and this is only the beginning. It's it's going to get interesting as the weeks go on.
1: Yeah, the whole yeah, the whole thing is going to be interesting because looking through the standings, I mean, you see a lot of like teams kind of like maneuvering back and forth. You know, the Yankees lost a lost a series this you know pat this past weekend, and you know, they're, they're sort of like, and the the Cubs actually now have the best record right now. So (laughs) the Twins have lost four in a row. I mean, it, you know, go figure. I mean, the Marlins are kind of falling back to earth. They lost a couple, they lost a couple in a row. The cart, you know, the Cardinals haven't been able to play and, you know, the the Rockies are though, though they did lose, you know, yesterday, but they're, they're still kind of hanging there with the Dodgers. So like I said, it's gonna be a lot of maneuvering going on these next couple of weeks.
2: Yeah, it is a sprint to the finish. I mean, that cannot be emphasized enough. So I think you're going to see a lot of fluidity within these divisions.
0: Yeah, I want to jump back to the AL East for just a second. Uh, We talked about this in our last podcast, that uh, Tampa Bay needed to turn it around. Oh, they turned it around by winning their series against uh, the Yankees over the weekend with clutch hitting and great starting pitching. So the Yankees are going through a little bit of injuries right now. So uh, John Carlos, and aaron jones as we said before all those guys can stay healthy got the limit for the yankees but tampa bay is turning it around now that they have an 88 eight record type of second place with baltimore in the alds yeah,
2: yeah whoever thought we'd be saying that
1: it'll be interesting. <laughs> exactly. yeah i'll say it'll be interesting though because i, I think that that might that is, you know that that especially since everybody having to play within their own division and the other on the other side of their division. So this is going to get very interesting, no doubt. Okay, um, to some NFL news for a little bit. Um, Darius Geis, the running back for Washington, the Washington football team. Now he is out. And they kind of let the hook on him pretty quick. You know, domestic violence, allegedly. They were able to kind of, you know, they, you know, Ron Rivera said that the, his release was tough, but it was necessary. So what do you guys think about that news?
2: Well, I'll, I'll start. And and for me, this is all about, um, uh, you know, Darius Geis hasn't been healthy. And we we had talked about this the past few seasons now. Um, we both thought it was an interesting pick for the team in Washington for Geis running back out of LSU. And uh, he definitely showed some flashes when he was healthy, but he just could not stay healthy. This is really the key between him being released from Washington. Uh, they've also got a, a plethora of running backs uh, at their disposal. I know Adrian Peterson is a, a year older, but they've got Peterson. They've got Peyton Barber. Um, I know they just drafted somebody else, and I think they have another running back on their roster as well. So, um, you know, a, again, for, for me, my personal opinion, um, this was about, you know, Darius guys not being able to stay healthy on the field anyway. It just made that decision that much easier.
0: Mm-hmm. As the, uh, uh, Jerry Glanville once said the NFL stands for not for long and unfortunately this uh, applies to Darius Guys, as you mentioned Jason uh, it's, it's all about a numbers game now if he gets convicted here how many games will the NFL excuse the expression slap on him and will he be picked up by another, another team will it be this season or next season so th- that's something that we should be uh, looking out for but the, the NFL especially as a numbers game so this is another prime example right here.
1: Yeah it's all about that and like I said and like you said you said it yourself Jason if if guys wasn't injury prone I don't think we'd be going through this with him being released we probably, right. probably would have said be suspended maybe for a little bit so like you said it just made Coach Rivera's decision that much easier.
2: Yep yep and again I think this is also an effort you know to obviously change the culture in Washington as well. I mean they've, they've they need all the PR help they can get. Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, something like this, whether it's true or not, unfortunately, in Darius Geis' case, um, it's, it's, it's just something that, that isn't a good look for him and, again, continues to not be a good look for the team. All
1: right. Anything, anything else you guys want to talk about? We got, some, got a few minutes left.
2: Uh, yeah, shout out to Colin Murakawa. Yes. Uh, 23-year-old winning a PGA championship over the past weekend. Um, I got to watch it in bits and pieces, not a whole lot really at all. Um, but I'm, I'm, I, 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 I just, again, I don't, I don't know the full context of this situation, Lakina, And I don't know if you saw this with Brooks Kepke as well, but, um, I don't know if you know what I'm talking about here, but, um, I, I was kind of glad to see him get a little bit of comeuppance as yeah. well. Um, you know, he, he. Uh, again, I don't know if it was a shot at Dustin Johnson or not, but I don't know if you saw this, Sydney, but um, Kepka basically alluded to the fact that going into the final round, you know, he liked his chances going into round four because uh, Dustin Johnson, the guy, he was, you know, sort of at the top of the leaderboard coming into round four. He had, quote, unquote, only one one while Kepka was going for like his third in a row. So I don't know if that was, again, I don't know if that was a shot. I don't know if that was a bit of mind games, but – he didn't have a very good fourth round. Kepka didn't, so I'm I'm I, I kind of chuckled, you know, watching him struggle a little bit uh, yesterday. And uh, but again, for me, this is about Murakawa winning the PGA at a 13 under, which is a really really great score. Um, and again, congratulations to him. I think this is actually his second major.
1: Well, this is actually his third win overall since joining the league. This is actually his second win this year. He won at Mirfield, okay. the Colonial. Yeah, so this is his, you know, his third. He's only been. He has only he only turned pro like about this time last year, so the fact okay. that he's been able to win three p j tour tour titles and clearly a major with the championship and of course that he actually played on i think look that that shot he made on sixteen that aggressive shot that's probably going to be one of the best golf shots of all time so and this is a guy that actually has the game to do it he has the aggressiveness he has the the putting and the temperament so Look, I, I believe what, you know, what Sir Dick Faldo and with all the other guys said that the, all the other, you know, CBS and also ESPN2 golf here said this is a guy that Kylie could end up winning multiple majors. And as for the, the Johnson-Kepka thing, I mean, the Johnson ended up getting the last laugh. He ended up yes. finishing a tie for second with Paul Casey. So he actually ended up having the last laugh. Kepka didn't, didn't have very good final rounds. He wasn't really a factor after, I think, like the, the seventh or eighth hole. So he wasn't really a factor anymore. <laughs> they stopped showing him. So that 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 kind of was a little bit of poor of justice of your Dustin Johnson, but but look, this is about Murakawa, and I think this this could be the beginning of being a new star on in the on tour.
2: Yeah, I mean, it, it could be, you know, he career. Oh, sorry. <laughs> he ahead, it, tiger. sorry. You
1: know, he wanted Tiger. <laughs> I wanted Tiger. I wanted Tiger.
2: <laughs> well, well, his problem said was that he had a really bad uh, second round. I think he yeah. got out to a pretty decent start, but his second round he was did. really bad. His putter sort of uh, failed him there a little bit, uh, you know, kept him, you know, sort of too far back into the pack. Um, but he, you know, he did play better on, on Sunday. But, the, you know, this is the thing about Tiger. He, he needs to play. He can't take extended breaks all the time. I mean, I know it's only about majors for him at this point in his career, but he's got to play some of these, uh, you know, tune-up, you know, quote-unquote tune-up ty- style tournaments.
1: Yeah, he's he's getting too old for to be doing that now. Yeah, so he can't be like take a couple like a month or maybe like month or six weeks off and then have to come back from the majors. He can't do that, especially with the Marukawa's and the Xander Shoffleys and the and the, uh, Scotty Scheffler, you know, a young another young guy in his in his twenties and Deschambeau, of course. So these are listen, these, there's a lot of young guns out there in their early to mid twenties for the U.S. and they're not afraid of you know the Tigers and the Rory's and the Justin Roses anymore. So he's got to deal with that. So I don't this a Tiger. I think he's gonna to have to kind of change you know his mindset. But look, yeah. I mean, but but look, I mean, look, we got we got a chance to get some primetime golf, major golf. You know, the ratings were really good for CBS. So if you're CBS, okay, yeah, would have been nice if Tiger would have been in contention, but look you got listen. So you got you know, dj and you know jason day and justin rose they were all right there so you know the rays are really good for cbs so you gotta be feeling pretty good for cbs
0: yep sure was of course uh, with, with that event in prime in prime time uh, both saturday and sunday yeah uh, like like we mentioned before like you know, with all the sports we turn in uh, we're stuck at home uh bringing this- will go through the roof because people are like us and what we do, especially our uh, desperate for live sports and it's returning. And ratings should be high for these events. Yeah,
1: and more are coming. So let's buckle up, folks. A smorgas mm-hmm. smorgasbord. Um, anything else that's on you guys' mind?
2: Uh, not not for me really. Good. Um,
0: go ahead, sir Yeah, so I'm, I'm good for this week. I'm ready to for this Hawks. So I'll go to the night Series to kick off on Tuesday. Uh, the NBA playoffs will, will start uh, next Monday. Of course, you know, they'll get the play-in tournament uh, to finish out uh, for the weekend. And I'm just ready for this, uh, ready for this um, the, those events to happen. Of course, we'll be keeping our eye on uh, college football. Will will it happen in the fall? Will it not? Uh, like I said uh, uh, at the top of this show, this is just the beginning. Uh, this is not the end of it.
1: I'm looking at some of these, you know, these conferences and these statements. You know, if you guys saw Jim Harbaugh's statement earlier, listen, they want to play. I'm seeing Scott Frost's – he's having a presser right now. You know, he said his guys want to play. Greg Shanky, who's the SEC commissioner, basically said, look, you guys need to be patient here, which I think they're just postponing the inevitable, but that's just me. So we'll find out. If if the Big Ten does decide to cancel and the Pac-12 – I, I think they were going to cancel too. I think the other conferences are going to have no choice but to follow suit, because this is about money, but also this is about not you know liability and lawsuits. They don't want to have to deal with the lawsuits, and these schools don't have the money to do it. So mm-hmm. people are not are not thinking. And I mean, I, I'm sick of the whole like, well, you guys just want sports to be canceled, or well, we want to play no matter what. I, I, I'm I'm kind of just sick of it. Right? I'm kind of over it now. Yeah, I don't know how yeah. you guys feel about it, but how do yeah. you guys feel? <laughs> Go ahead, Zane. Uh and
0: so, and I'm not rooting for sports not to come back. Obviously, we have it back up. Uh, we just wait for the NFL. They're gonna start the month now. As much as I want college football to return, but like you said, like, you know, people are not focusing on the behind the scenes. So we brought it up for the last few weeks. Uh, do these schools have enough money to have testing kits for these places to be tested every day or every other day? And, uh, and like you mentioned, no one wants to be liable here. Happens not to me. Have a bit that a player dies or severely gets injured because of COVID nineteen. These schools, uh, they don't have the money that's coming in uh, for, um, during a normal year. They don't have the income from these television networks and, and from the football and, and basketball. And we you know basketball, uh, the March Madness was canceled, so you don't have that income coming in. So forbid something happens to a player, whether he dies or uh, has severe uh, problems due to this virus. Uh, these schools don't have the money right now, so we have to consider that those factors in as well. Just think about it, as you follow the story.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, again, you know, this, we're we're talking about kids here. You know, I think that's the most important factor. And um, I'm I'm kind of with you, looking. I'm I'm over it all as well. Of course, we want sports back, but um, you know, there just there just seems to be too much going on and and not enough answers. I mean I can't I, I hate that I keep having to say that, but uh we're starting to see it like you to your point, Sydney, some of these schools and these conferences just don't have the money to support this thing right now. And we're seeing it with the Mac. Uh, you know how I love my Mac in action. Um, <laughs> you know, they, they, they've 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 mixed you know, yeah. football right now. So um you know I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna you know get get to watch the school that I went to I think you're you're probably gonna start to see a few more conferences do this.
1: Right. Yeah, I mean, look. Is, like I said, we'll see what happens. The, the Big Ten decides to cancel. Like, like you said, Jason, the Mac has already said they're canceling, and some of the smaller conferences already said they're going to cancel. So I, I think the other – the big ones are going ha- to follow suit. I know SEC is going to be so freaking stubborn about it. I know they want to say they want to play, but I think they're just postponing the inevitable. I'm, I'm sorry. I just think they are.
2: Yeah, and, and, and one quick point. I don't know if this was mentioned. It, it, it's just going to take one. One of these Power Five conferences is just gonna take one Mm -hmm. for the rest to follow suit. So we're 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 gonna I think something's gonna happen here within the next you know two to three days. We're gonna find out really quickly.
1: All right. Anything, guys? Okay. Anything,
0: guys? Guys, looking forward to ahead this week. Yeah. For me, I'm gonna come there
2: again.
1: (laughs) Go, Go 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 ahead. Go ahead, Jace.
2: Yeah, yeah, for me, I want the Cubs playing again. Again, I I hope their momentum hasn't been killed too much. They've got a nice series with some nice competition coming up with the Indians starting tomorrow.
0: Yeah, for me, uh, hopefully the White Sox can get back on track in Motown against Detroit. Of course, the Blackhawks are continuing their playoff push now. They're officially in the playoffs. Uh, They're going to face the Las Vegas Golden Knights. Game one is Tuesday at 9.30. You can watch the game locally on NBC Sports Chicago. And, like, you, like we've just been saying for the last few minutes, we'll see if college football will be played during the fall. Our world will have a, if a to perhaps move it to the spring. Like, like you said, Jason, the decision will be made within the next uh, 24 to 48, perhaps 72 hours.
1: Echoing what you gentlemen have said. I think, like you said, Jason, I think it's going to take one of those big conferences. The Big Ten and the pac decide mm-hmm. to cancel football for the fall. I'm sure the other conference, I know they want to keep saying that we want to play, we want to play, but it only, it, it only takes one, and a lot of these schools do not want to be held liable if, if God forbid, something happens. And one of these athletes, you know, look, we saw what was happening with that uh, I U O lineman You know, he's already – he's having heart issues. So, you, you know, you, you never know. And also, on a lighter note, um, the MLS is back. They're having their championship. Portland and Orlando, that should be a fun one there tomorrow night. So that should be fun. The Portland Timbers and the home team, if you will, the Orlando City SC. Look, they've had zero positive tests. So they're show you know them, the NHL, they just announced that they've had zero positive tests. And also the NBA, of course, they've been doing a great job and showing you that you can do sports in the bubble. You gotta be very strict. Very strict on that. Also, Montreal and Philly. That's the one, that's another uh the NHL tournaments, I'm looking forward to the first round. That should be a lot of fun, and I know a lot of Canadian fans are going to be cheering for Montreal because, you know, it's been a while since you know, they they've went far in the playoffs.
0: Yeah, two of the original sixteens that they go back to have uh, hatred for each other, so that should be fun.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm sure there's gonna be a lot of there's gonna be a little brouhaha there going on. Also, um DeAndre Leighton Aiden has been suspended because apparently he missed a morning COVID test, so he will not be able to play tonight. So look, he's not playing right they're playing OKC right now, so I'm look, I mean, Adam Silver, give him credit because he's not messing around.
2: Agreed.
1: All right, you follow me at Keenan McGee.
0: You follow me at Kina McGee on Twitter, at Keena McGee on the Instagram. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at SaveKid80, most again, it's at savekid 80s 80 That's sidkid i d eight zero. You can read all of my articles, including the preview of the first real series between the Blackhawks and, and the Vegas Golden Knights at VRRadio.com. That's W-E-A-R-E-R-E-G-A-L-Radio.com. As soon as this podcast drops, the preview should be uh, dropped
2: as well on the website, so go check it out. And you can follow me at Truth and Reason underscore on the Twitter, and you can follow the show's Twitter handle at two N D C S C H I. Follow us, we follow back.
1: All right, the roller coaster ride of sports continues. There's some storms heading our way here in Chicago, so for all of you in Illinois and whoever else is in the the path of storms, stay safe keep your hands clean and you know don't don't just just a lot of stuff going on so just don't just use common sense i'll leave it there <laughs> <laughs> and also to
0: real quick we'd like to thank a lot of tech our guest panelists for our outsiders south side nbc sports chicago and james nabalva nbc thank them both one and all for joining us today
1: absolutely all right Sid and i will see you on friday and jason will see you next monday yes, so indeed. For the guys, I'm can, This is my second season board Zoom style and we'll see ya. Zoom style. Hello.